0: Welcome to this special bonus episode of Dead and Gone in Wyoming, brought to you by the Hampton Inn and Suites in Riverton, Wyoming. Riverton is a gateway to adventure located right in the middle of the Cowboy State. It's a hub for experiencing the best the state has to offer. Attractions like Yellowstone, the Tetons, world-class skiing this time of year, mountain recreation, casino gaming, cultural and historical sites on and around the Wind River Reservation. Riverton has easy access to the best of one of my favorite states in the country. And while you're visiting, you'll want to stay at the best. The Hampton Inn & Suites is conveniently located, serves a free hot breakfast to get you off and adventuring for the day. Make plans to stay at the Hampton Inn & Suites in Riverton, Wyoming, and feel the Hamptonality. And again, welcome. This is a special mid-month bonus episode edition of Dead and Gone in Wyoming. Thank you all so much for listening and for subscribing and for your Patreon support, too, over the last month. We just had Christopher sign up early this morning. And yes, I look forward to hearing about that case that you were talking to me about there, uh, Christopher, out of South Dakota. Thank you, and thank you for your support. We do have a possible South Dakota connection to talk about here in the mid-month episode this time around. So let's go back two episodes to our Rollins rodeo murder episode from November. We talked about a man in that episode named Royal Russell Long and a victim of his, a 12-year-old girl, Sharon Bald Eagle. And Sharon was not a Rollins rodeo murder victim. She was not one of the four uh, cases talked about in that series. But I did bring her up in connection with Royal Russell Long, because Royal Russell Long is one of the best suspects for being the Rollins killer, if not the best. So here's a bit of a reminder from that episode back in November. As for Sharon Bald Eagle, there have been sightings of her in other states over the years. But sadly, no trace of Royal Russell Long's 11-year-old Kidnapping victim has ever been found. Long himself died inside the Wyoming State Penitentiary, perhaps ironically enough, in Rollins in 1993. Taylor Bald Eagle is still working to keep his daughter's name and legacy alive. He is part of an effort earlier this year that spawned a new South Dakota state law, which he believes to be the first step in understanding and addressing the depth of the problem of. Missing and murdered indigenous women across America. Sharon Bald Eagle would be 47 years old today, and Taylor celebrates her birthday every year. Sharon was hitchhiking across Wyoming from South Dakota, she and a friend. Sharon was running away from home, and the two of them encountered Royal Russell Long on the highway. He abducted them. He put both of them in his truck, and he took them to his home, a cabin that he owned. Sharon's friend, actually, who was tied up, managed to escape and call police. But while she was doing that, Long took Sharon and fled. And Sharon Bald Eagle's never been seen since. At one point, Royal Russell Long said that he had put Sharon on a truck to Texas with a trucker. But um, nothing ever came of that. He died without providing any useful information in terms of finding Sharon's body. So that's uh, now we're up to speed. That episode came out in November, and about a month later, right about New Year's, a listener contacted me about the episode. We have all sorts of listeners, I'm sure. Some of them are law enforcement and legal specialists, from county sheriff's deputies to uh, criminal defense attorneys on the East Coast, just all kinds of different people in the criminal justice and legal sphere that listen to the show, and that's just those I know about who have reached out to me. The listener who contacted me after that episode is a woman who volunteers to run cadaver dogs for the Sweetwater County Sheriff's Department. These dogs are amazing. If you go missing, a search and rescue canine might be deployed to try to track your scent, to try to find you. But there's a different category of dogs, too, called cadaver dogs. These dogs are specifically trained to identify and alert to human remains. It is astounding the stories that i've heard in different cases over the years cold cases where dogs are brought in and you wouldn't believe what they're able to to do with their senses i remember reading about a case in canada they suspected a body had been underwater for in a lake for like 30 years and they put a cadaver dog in a boat and that dog in a boat alerted to a body that had been underwater for 30 years just by sniffing the top of the water we don't even know how it works really the handlers themselves aren't even sure about the science as to how these cadaver dogs can do what they do but and it doesn't work all the time but a well-trained cadaver dog is pretty reliable when it comes to identifying human remains and there are all kinds of different variables environmental factors that can sort of uh, amend the process a little bit but these dogs can find remains that otherwise just would not be found So, our listener is the trainer and the dog handler for these, as a volunteer for these dogs for the Sheriff's Department in Sweetwater County. Back in late September, a biologist who was working in area by the power plant, the Bridger power plant in Sweetwater County, found a human skull bone. I think he was out there advancing some, uh, doing advanced work for a wind turbine site, something along those lines. But he found the bone. He knew what it was, and he notified the sheriff's office. The sheriff came back and did a search of the area using dogs, and they found more human remains. They found more of the skull, more skull bone. They found part of a lower jaw and with a tooth. And they also found, and this is important, has not been reported yet, they found a vertebrae as well. So they had the skull bones examined, and they were determined to be non-ancient. And for these purposes, Ancient is 200 years old. But the bones did appear like they'd been there for a while, but they were not hundreds of years old. So the estimate is that those bones had been there for about 20 or 30 years. And they could tell a couple other things about the remains too. Because of the sloping and the thickness of the skull, they could also tell the gender and the ethnicity of uh, the remains to a certain degree. These remains then are young. They are of a Native American female who was in her teens, possibly early 20s, when she died. So the Sweetwater County Sheriff's Office had one cold case that they were interested in comparing these remains to in their jurisdiction, and they did so, determined that these remains were probably not that case, probably not the person that they were looking for. So they forwarded the remains onto the state, and that was that. And that was months ago, and there was no news reporting any of this until the county10.com story last week. So generally speaking, this might be Sharon Bald Eagle. The age seems right. The duration of the bones, the age of the bones, having been there, seems right. The gender is correct. The ethnicity is correct. And I'm being very careful with this not to get anybody's hopes up that this is specifically Sharon. Because I'd say it's even even with all that matching, it's still an outside possibility. It could well be somebody else's. But regardless of whose remains these are, please keep in mind they are equally important, nonetheless, because they belong to somebody, obviously. These bones are probably the answer to a question that a family has been desperately seeking for some time. So this is heavy stuff. This is not to be speculated about. This is not to be taken lightly. But this is also why I thought it was important to get this story out to as many people as possible. So if you haven't already done so, share the County 10 post from last week, share the link on social media, because the more people that see it, uh, the more people who might come forward to authorities that might have some kind of connection. Let me play you now a little bit of my conversation with this woman who's the volunteer cadaver dog handler. She doesn't want any credit. She doesn't want her name specifically being used, just her position. Just to give you an idea of the context of the area, here is, um, in the process, here's a small clip from our chat a couple of weeks ago where we found the skull fragment was nestled in the base of a sagebrush so basically when the water and spring runoff had come down off of that cliff and down into that drainage the skull had gotten caught in there and the caldera had gone on down and that's the part that the biologist had found, and then we found the upper mandible. But the dog kept wanting to go higher. She kept wanting to move up. The next week, we ended up with the vertebrae. I have two dogs that I work, and on the eighth journey, found the vertebrae up on top. You know, there's a possibility that with DNA and um, dental records, maybe we can narrow this down as to who this is. So that vertebrae that was found might possibly contain some DNA. And we don't know that for sure. But if it does, that's kind of our best shot for DNA for those bones. If there's DNA in the vertebrae, from the vertebrae, that might be compared to a family member to identify the victim, to figure out who this woman is. This is the point where I first reached out then to Taylor Bald Eagle. And let me say I work with victims' families brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, very often, almost daily, definitely weekly, every week of the year, in one way or another, communicating with family members who have lost loved ones to homicides that haven't been solved yet, cold cases. I talk to a lot of family, but I don't seek that out. I don't reach out myself unless I feel like I absolutely have to. I'm not going to reach out, for example, for an interview that's already been done 13 times before. I don't seek to insert myself in these people's lives. They often seek me out. That's different. I don't seek them out unless there's something I can do to help them. Their process of their grief, their search for answers in the case. And even then, it's a mixed bag. This happens to anybody from the standpoint of all kinds of different people have to deal with unsolved murder in their family. It's never expected, rarely. And just like any unexpected event, major unexpected event in your life, in one's life, they deal with it in every different way imaginable. Some people never, ever want to speak of the incident again. They almost want to compartmentalize and forget it ever happened. Some people on the other end of the spectrum become unrelenting activists for justice. And then there's a whole spectrum in between of the way people deal with losing a family member and then the lingering question of what happened. Here is an example, though, of when I did go find a family member because of the vertebrae. If the remains are Sharon's and if they're able to get DNA from the vertebrae, they can identify those remains as being Sharon using Taylor Bald Eagle's DNA, paternal DNA. And when you think about as long as those bones have been there, and as cold as Sharon's case is, and again, I'm not saying the remains are Sharon's, but when you think about it that way, I start to enter some moral territory for me, because what if I don't report that story? What if I don't make that phone call? With the information that I have with something like this, I can become the reason that this case isn't solved if I don't do anything. And beyond that, if I were Mr. Bald Eagle, putting, trying to put myself in his position, which I, I, I can't do, but would I want to know about the, the remains, the find, and would I want to know that there's a possibility that all I have to do to find out what happened to my daughter is give a DNA sample? And also, Taylor Bald Eagle, looking back through the press accounts when I did the, the episode... He was very. He was a zealous advocate. He was a very inspirational advocate for his daughter after she disappeared. He at first was uh, very vocal about the disappearance, and then when the case kind of started to fade, Mr. Bald Eagle was in the press as much as he could, trying to get people to remember his daughter. So I actually I felt fine about trying to find him. However, actually finding an 85-year-old man on an Indian reservation in South Dakota. It's a little bit challenging. Took a couple of days, two or three days, but I did find him. And Mr. Bald Eagle, who's a retired judge and a tribal elder, by the way, he's now aware of the find, and he's aware of the situation involved with the DNA. Next, I headed off to the authorities. So I called the local sheriff's office in South Dakota, which has jurisdiction or part of jurisdiction for this case, because that's where Sharon left, ran away from home from, It is a very small county, very small sheriff's department, but I spoke with a sheriff. He was very interested in the find, and he passed me off to the South Dakota DCI. And uh, I also called the Wyoming DCI, and I have not heard back from them. So that is where we are currently at. Obviously, if uh, for any reason you have any further information that might somehow help this situation, help things along here, please let me know. But I like that we've been a, a small part of hopefully something good. Um, down the road hopefully in the not too distant future that is our mid-month bonus for this month Uh, thank you for leaving those five-star ratings on apple podcasts and elsewhere it actually helps others find the show thank you to our patreon supporters as well if you like the work that we're doing and the stories that we are telling you can help the production of the podcast for ten dollars a month patreon.com slash wyoming podcast or you can search Patreon, didn't Gone in Wyoming, something like that. You'll find it there. You'll get early access to every episode for your support, so no more waiting for new episodes. And don't forget, 100 supporters, first 100 supporters, as soon as we get there, we will have a little listener party out there on me. Hopefully, that's coming very soon. Don't forget, wyomingpodcast at gmail.com. I read all those emails. Or on Twitter, at wyomingpodcast. Can't wait to bring you a very special episode for January coming up soon.